Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today, myself, is your nerdy tutor, George, and with me here today, again, little brother, Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, the Green Ranger. Well, I prefer Greek Ranger, but that's right. just me. That's him. Um, so, we watched some Common Rider and some Super Sentai shows. We have we opinions did. on them. And... What is so? What was your initial take on some of these? Um, let's, so at least for the Super Sentai, anyway, it actually was not the first one I've ever watched, but it did remind me that it was. Well, at least that one in particular was especially comical, or or well, no, not com- comical, lighthearted, maybe. I wouldn't even say very very. Childlike. The villain was very much just focused on messing with kids, and it's one of those things like, oh yeah, that's right, this is like a TV show for kids. Yes, and I mean, I mean, Super Sentai is kind of meant for children, and Common Rider, as much as it's aimed toward children, is always, I think, kind of catered to, like, teens, to adults, because it tends to uh grapple it tends to gravitate toward a slightly more complex narrative in some cases um especially from the ones i've watched like o's definitely has a very complex narrative going on in it in a lot of cases but um but i can certainly see how how someone could see that um so first one we watched was zoo ranger which is the original version of what we know here in america is the power rangers I, Mighty Morphin specifically. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the first initial season with the uh, red, blue, black, yellow, and pink rangers as we know them. Um, it was a very 90s show. Yeah. Well, okay, like like I said earlier, the main thing that, that I ended up noticing was really more just, oh wow, this, you can really tell this, this was aimed at kids specifically, but that aside, I actually still liked the tone of, like, the second two episodes that we watched, because the first one was very much focused on just, hey, I'm going to mess with these kids, and then the second two were like, hey, let's go get some legendary weapons, and, and I don't know, I actually really dug the, I actually really dug the tone of the second two episodes. In what way? Um, okay, to be fair, I am, I am, I was raised on Power Rangers, and so it, I don't know, it just very much was up my alley. Do you think it was very much similar to what was Power Rangers at the time, or...? I mean, not necessarily Power Rangers specifically, but... I don't know, I got a somewhat... Um, I'm trying to think how to properly phrase my thoughts here. The tone... I don't know, it, the tone had a nice mix of, like, fantasy versus... What would you even call Tokusatsu? Like, fantastical? I would go with fantastical. I mean, Zero Danger was also one of the first times in which it was more primarily fantasy-based aspect. And so what's unique about it here is that um, rather than having any sort of centralized organization like, you know, the Earth Defense Force or some sort of army defense, government-issued sort of service, um, and a lot of the other ones being more heavily mechanical in nature or scientific based you know um i mean transforming into cyborg android mutants or some nature or form here i always found uh this variation um of sentai to be 
again, has a far more fantastical root. I mean, like, I mean, well, I mean, let's set the premise here. So the first episode, apparently there's a planet called Nemesis, and that's what we fly to. Who wants to go to a planet called Nemesis? Much less, how did we get so close to, to Nemesis that we were able to get to it? I think they explained it was a cosmological event of some sort. I'm not sure. And but no, I also got that that was just like the... There there are a couple of things here and there that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers versus Zoo Ranger, like, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers kind of did it better, for example. Like, the entire first bit of Rita Repulsa being locked, like, locked in a dumpster on the moon, literally the same thing in uh, Zoo Ranger, except instead of a moon, it's another planet called Nemesis that just kind of just appeared in our, like, close enough to the Earth that we could send astronauts to. I, I, astronauts I kinda, with children. Yes, astronauts with children on board. Yes, I forgot about that. That was a little odd. Also, the cockpit will eventually become the uh, Megazord in our case. This is true. I, I, you can see it in the look of it at the end of the day. It was, you know, didn't look like a shuttle. This is very true. Um, but uh, like that aspect, like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, they refined it and made it a little bit better. It's like, oh yeah, no, she was just sealed away in a dumpster on the moon. Like, okay, that, I I don't know. I That clicks in my brain a little bit better. You, you'd think somebody could get to the moon. We've been to the moon a little bit more clearly. and Yeah, hey, it's, look, it's not a random this, rock. We, that, we found this thing on the moon. It looks like it's got a lid. Why don't we try to see what's inside? Yeah. It, it kind of makes more sense, absolutely. As opposed to, hey, we're on an alien planet. There's nothing around here. Hey, wait, look over there. Which is, like, almost word for word what happens. Well, again, I mean, you, you this is, again, one of those series in which you do have to suspend your disbelief for. You know, because otherwise none of it makes sense. I mean, like, again, where, you know, like, you get to the notion here, like, where... And this is actually the second episode in which we saw magic elevators, too. Um, or, because, again, we see magic elevators when we watch X-Aid... They apparently go down to another secret basement. Oh, that's right, that's right. And apparently this sage guy hits a couple buttons and goes down to another secret floor to find the Z-Rangers, who are all apparently sleep on mirrors in, like, their closets or wardrobes, I guess. For, for context, think Superman 2, like, where Zod ends up getting thrown in that little cosmic... Phantom. Well, yes, but like the little. Yes, I, I know it's the Phantom Zone, but like the little mirrors that kind of. Yeah, like... lit- literally the qua- quadrilateral shape of it. Basically, it's a solid plane, and they're like just sleeping in what's in a solid two D plane. It's literally the exact same thing. It's 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 fairly accurate. Yeah. I won't disagree. Um, we wake up all the initial Zoo Rangers except the uh, Tyrannosaur uh, Ranger. Um, because his door's got a key, apparently, and it's broken. Something like that. But he eventually gets out. Yeah. Um, and the first episode is them just kind of getting there. The second episode is them, um, how would you say, um... Actually solving the crisis. Literally, the first episode is just sort of setting the stage for everything, and then at the end of the episode, oh, yay, yay, the the Zoo Rangers are here. And then the second episode after that it is just okay. Cool. Now let's actually fight. Yeah, they actually fight, and um, 
they break their weapons, which leads us into episodes uh, three and four, uh, which is them going to a, literally going into one of the guy's closets to a place called the Land of Despair, which just happens to be in somebody else's closet. I still maintain that it's sort of like a dimensional door sort of thing, a la Doctor Strange, like the one room in Doctor Strange. I, I'm, again, I'm willing to give that, again, it's just... Uh, these these rooms look like people's wardrobes at the end of the day. Yeah. So, I I think closet when I think wardrobe. Um, so, but we get to the land of the spare where apparently if you stand there for twenty four hours, you become a rock or a statue, and you see plenty of other statuesque kind of guys there. Be kind of, it would be kind of interesting that if, and I thought here it was that we have to get these powerful weapons to beat Rita or to beat. Uh, Bandora, which is the bad guy, which is the evil empress's name here. And in the process of getting the weapons, you actually free all these bad guys who end up becoming, you know, loyal servants of Bandora at the end of the day, which would be, I think would be kind of more interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. That you have to go, that in order to get these powers, you realize that you were actually kind of tricked into getting this stuff. That, yeah, it'll make it more difficult for, it'll make your life more difficult, but... As a result, you actually get this huge onslaught of an army that you get to play with now, um, which would be kind of I think would be kind of interesting. It's how I would do if I did a Super Sentai series now, kind of just be there as kind of a lone man team causing havoc, and then you know realize that I know they're bad guys that kept and they kept these powerful weapons and gets like a prison or something, and if they get these weapons, they'll free everybody in the prison. They just don't realize that's what they're going to do. Now, and then I'll have just a horde of people to play with. That's how I would do it. Oh, that's one of the other... One of the other things, simply just for context, is that... Part of the reason why I mentioned the fantastical element earlier is is because the ZU Rangers aren't... Like like you mentioned earlier, they're, they, they're not part of a government thing. They're knights. You know, they're knights from different they're like, tribes. They're, they're, yeah, they're knights from different tribes. Their powers are not mechanical, necessarily. I mean, they they come from a magical source, um, and not any sort of technological source at all. I mean, that has some sort of quantifiable sort of element to it all. I mean, like, they literally, at one point, actually take their morphers, or as we would call them morphers, they're just their transformation device, are actually fighting with them. As like a makeshift sort of knuckle card, I guess. Oh yeah, that's right. They did kind of do that at one point. Um, but again, like you can clearly see that this is meant for children. I mean, so one of the things I took from it here at the end of the day, it was very hard to separate the Power Rangers from Zoo Ranger at the end of the day in my head. How so? Because I kept seeing the 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 actors and I kept thinking, oh, that's Jason under there. Oh look, that's uh, Billy. Oh, that's um. God, what was the Mammoth Ranger? Zack. Zack. There's Zack, and there's Trini, and then there's Kimberly. Like, I was hard in my mind to not see them and think, oh, that's who was underneath it. They're just speaking Japanese today. And, of course, to realize I know that that's not how it works, and I know that it's not here. I'm also really pissed off. They had fucking motorcycles. Oh, yeah. Again, now, eventually the Power Ranger introduced the, the shark cycles that, like, but that's probably like season three. You had like three seasons. No, they already had motorcycles in this version. Look at that. They're barely even used. 
I guess. We only ever actually got used for like two scenes total. And that, then that we've seen thus far. Fair point, fair point. We haven't watched a lot of it. Maybe they come into maybe they come into more starkly point maybe later on, but you also kinda gotta wonder here that like it also kinda brings into a stark contrast. When you look at the Power Rangers as it was, mm-hmm. it was clearly a city that had a lot of green parks and stuff in it. You didn't. You never really saw a lot of tall skyscraper buildings. It didn't feel like you were in a downtown sort of setting. If you were, you were like in the suburbs where like we were versus like downtown for us. Like you'd have to travel to get to downtown. It felt yeah. like you felt like we were like Angel Grove was the suburbs of whatever downtown district there was. Um, and here in Zooranger, no, it very much feels like you're in downtown the entire time. Which is very common of Japanese sort of um, locations here, and I can speak to this more clearly here, that a lot of the taller buildings are some of our office complexes, but a lot of them, the taller buildings are especially just apartments. Hmm. Um, And a lot of them are just, you know, the typical kind of Japanese-style apartment where they're, you know, maybe 450 to 600 square feet inside of it. Um, And it's a very vertical sort of thing, and... To get to it, you gotta take stairs because the elevator is not, it may not exist. And again, these apartments might go up like 20 stories. Or maybe not 20 stories, but like at least 10 to 15. Weird. But again, I mean, that's very much the Japanese culture at the end of the day. You don't take up more space than you need to. And you have to remember that Japan's a land of very minimal sort of land options at the end of the day. You, if they decided that they wanted to you know, build on regular land, as it were, to just build houses and stuff, they would have been out of land back in the mid, by the mid-90s, if not, you know, the 60s or 70s by that point. And it's much easier to go up than it is to go, to spread out. And so a lot, I mean, even when we were in Japan, my mom and me saw a lot of um, underground shops, restaurants, you know, either attached to subways or just on their own. Which is actually kind of cool when you think about it, because again, you go into these places where they're just, they're underground. They're they're built out, infrastructure is just completely underground. Hmm. And again, I mean, like, it would look, there's no windows or anything, which is always a little bizarre. So, but it's like being in a very tight mall. Like, again, if you can imagine a mall, but imagine you, like, you physically shrank the size of it down. So the hallways... We're barely from, you know, we're barely maybe, let's say, 10, 15 feet across. And the shops were probably no bigger than maybe like, like maybe 15, 20 feet as well. You know, maybe a 20 foot by 10 foot sort of room almost. But that was a, that was a person's shop and maybe you had a slightly bigger one that was, a you know, a restaurant maybe. But we saw those all the time in Japan and... Um, especially when we first got to um, uh, Osaka, um, again, Datenburi was very popular, but just to the train station just directly next to it, or to the site, or uh, directly attached to it, it was this great underground covered market where, again, I don't think you could eat the same thing twice in a month. If you went to a different, you could go to a different restaurant every single day of the week and not eat at the same place twice. Huh. Very easy. And again, in just that little shopping district, that's how many restaurants there were. And then if you went above, again, they had more restaurants upstairs as well. Um, 
which is very I found very interesting because again, I mean, there are more. Got to remember, there are um, about as many restaurants in Japan as there are in America. I dig it. And you got to remember that by comparison to Japan, much smaller amount of space, so they're much more tightly compacted. Well, here let let's get back but, on but track. But get back on topic. You know, again, I mean, I it was interesting to me because again, I found the tangent of what was. What was the city in Zero Danger versus what I've always thought of what the city would have been in Power Rangers was a stark difference to me, at least. Or at least how I saw it at the end of the day. Um, you had the typical, like, base location sort of thing, where, like, if you had it in uh, Power Rangers, you actually had three bases, if you really count it. You had the school, you had the quasi-gym slash... Karate oh, center slash yeah. community center sort of thing, and then you actually had um, the command center. The zoo sure. ranger, you had a command center, but um, everything else was just outdoor shots. Also, no, no, no Zordon. Like, what's when we when we made it into Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, we took Zoo Ranger and turned into Power Rangers. That's one thing that we sort of those those are other things that ended up getting added in, mm-hmm. as well as like. Making it much more technology based, which I can't necessarily fault them for because, like, during the transformation sequence, they do have this the little wireframe mm-hmm. thing as opposed to a more magical sort of way that they transform. Yeah. Although, actually, that does remind me. One thing I, I think Power Rangers also does better than Zeo Ranger is the transformation sequence itself. Mm hmm. Simply because, like, even though all the all it really is is just you know the mug shot of them saying their their respective Zord or robot or their power at the end of the yeah day, whatever's on their helmet yeah even that like you still you get a little mug shot you get a little electric background thing and then they transform mm-hmm. whereas in Z Ranger they just kind of pull out the things and then you see the wireframe bit and then they transform and that's and it's usually it was just the one too. Yeah, as opposed to all of them. I don't know if we ever get, actually, all of them at one point here. Because I don't remember that in Power Rangers at all. If I ever did it, because they always did the Red Ranger last, because that was the last... He was, like, the last guy to announce himself. Yeah. Um, And usually when they transform, they're in, like, in some sort of a team of some sort, so... Um, But no, I agree. I think think we did better here in America as far as the... um, transformation sequence but again I mean it's interesting that for the 90s again I mean like there wasn't a lot of special effects that they were already spending on pyrotechnics and monster costumes I think not even just that but giant props as well (coughs) that actually does remind me I really do like the oh what is the word for it Um, the mix the blending of various compositing the the blending of various different like special effects at one point, they actually had a giant prop hand holding the holding the actual Red Ranger, and then in the in the background, and then in the foreground, you actually had the suit actor who was supposed to play the giant monster, slowly menacing his other arm towards him. And I, for what it was, because this was in like ninety one, ninety two, I thought I think that's pretty damn solid. Like I know, you know, yeah, they still had special effects back then for sure, but. I don't know for like for like a low budget TV show, this this was pre- well maybe low not budget. low budget but still uh, I mean, for like, a TV show mm-hmm. 
that admittedly there are some parts that kind of have to like make on the cheap and or recycle. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was just pretty amazing, especially for the time, especially compared to X Aid. But that, I feel like that's more of a stylistic issue as opposed to. Well, we can talk about X Aid later because X Aid is completely off, uh, completely one eighty of this. I think at the end of the day, very, it, very, very different. It really is. Um, so, how did this relate to other Sentai series? Since you've mentioned you you've seen other Sentai series before. Um, so the one series I actually really, really liked watching, uh, while I was in high school was Gokaiger. Okay. And so this was the pirate team. This was the 35th anniversary season. That that was the first, that was the first Super Sentai that I had watched simply because, um, their main gimmick was that they could transform into the other rangers from other seasons, which I thought was super rad. And they usually had like a single episode... Featuring someone from the old cast in each one. They also had a kind of a cool-looking uh, suit at the end of the day as well. Yeah, no, they blended the sort of pirate aesthetic pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to the thing, even though it was a kid's show, it still didn't have... I mean, not to say that it didn't have a childlike air to it, but it definitely felt like it was aimed not necessarily for, like, teens per se but more maybe like pre-teens to teens I think it was also I think what's interesting about Super Sentai by comparison to Power Rangers um, when we get to um, that team there when you think about it there again that's a like a that's a 40th anniversary show um, and to consider it a 40th anniversary show you're gonna have a lot of people who would, would have seen those much older shows so you're pulling in a much larger audience there as well but that's what I always find kind of interesting is that a lot of, even though these shows are kind of meant for a younger demographic, that they very much pull a much older demographic as well. Um, I could say that when we were in Japan, we saw a lot of um, a lot of toys for the new Kamen Rider series, but a lot of toys for the new, for the Super Sentai teams as well. Um, mixed in amongst the regular, like, high-end sort of toys or uh, collectibles you might get from shops typically for other stuff. Um, what I found, what I find kind of interesting here is that again, much like in the same way, like like My Little Pony's got a lot, My Little Pony has a large demographic that's actually older adults, despite the older male adults, despite the fact that it's primarily meant for preteen, you know, preteen girls, which is kind of odd. Um, what I think is interesting is that I think at the end of the day, when we get to Japanese shows, it's not that they expect more of their audience, but they don't sugarcoat it for their audience. You know, like I think in a lot of cases they are they are willing to be upfront with their audience and be like, "This is what this is." You might have to learn about this one way or another later. Hey, it's a friendlier version of learning about some of this stuff, or at least they don't treat their audience that's mainly of kids as kids. Does that make sense? Sort of. Um, I mean, I definitely understand your point. Mm -hmm. I semi-disagree, at least for Zero, in the case of Zero Ranger, anyway. Okay. Zero Ranger, like... Zero Ranger very much feels like it was meant for children. Oh, yeah. No, and then, like, like children, children. Like, like, if we're talking about age demographics, it very much felt like this was supposed to be aimed from, like, 
5 to 10, at least based on the first, like, couple episodes. two episodes. Mm-hmm. Second two episodes, the tone shifted a little bit. To which, maybe, like, an like a 8, 9, to maybe, like, a 12, 13 sort of range. Yeah, I would say 8, 9, 10. Because okay. um, at the end, you, you still had the Rangers going in to save a kid. It's like, study hard and, like, you know, do your homework and all that good stuff. And that actually reminds me, that, that's one thing I found somewhat jarring at the end of the episode, because... Rita Repulsa, or well, Bandora in this case, mm-hmm. picked on this kid specifically. It's like because the kid was like, "I wish my mom didn't exist because she's making me do homework and study instead of hanging out with my friends because I got a thirty on my exam." Which, to be fair, you, you got a thirty out of a hundred, kid. That, that's that's pretty bad. But true, she she's picking on this kid, and it's like, "Oh, you wish your mom didn't exist." Well, ha! Here's a magic thing. Now you're in the land of despair. Ha, 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 ha. And at the end of the episode, you know, the, or the second episode, because it's sort of the inverse of what you mentioned before. Where, it was, yeah. Yeah, where the Super the super Sentai kind of has a single episode stretched into two, whereas Kamen Rider, it was just kind of a monster of the week sort of thing. Or at least maybe it was just these two particular series that had that sort of mantra or that, that sort of theme switch. Mm-hmm. But anyways, back on the main thing. Um, what's it? The the Rangers at the end were just like, yeah, study hard, kid. You know, stay in school, kind of thing. And I couldn't help but wonder. It's like, wait, like three of these guys didn't even meet the kid, nor did they even know that he was even like in trouble for not having studied. And so, I don't know. Outside of that. That, that that definitely threw me off a little bit. Is I guess maybe a what would you call that? A continuity error, if anything. Um, I suppose it could be a continuity error. I don't know. That aside, ignoring the parts where you know children are sort of shoehorned in, I actually still rather liked Zoo Ranger because mm-hmm. the tone. You know, as soon as the kids were not there, the tone definitely seemed somewhat older as the rangers are just kind of getting to do their thing with each other as opposed to having to come in and save some kids from a rocket that's in like some sort of almost James Bondish-esque contraption. Yeah, literally with a with a mace ball hanging above it as if... As it, a magnifying glass is burning a string. Or a rope, yeah. It's literally burning a stro- rope and it's about to fall onto it. Oh my goodness, will they save him or not? Yeah. Ignoring that element, it actually... I wouldn't even say, like, was much more tolerable, because it was still tolerable with the whole kid thing, but... I don't know. It seemed better when it when it was more focused on the rangers and the actual, like, characters, the actual people whose names... Who, whose team name is the show. Versus this, uh, this, versus this other element, which we'll never see ever again. Yeah, where it's literally this one kid of the week who needs help. Kind okay, of interesting. Why? It's the same kid over and over again, though, wouldn't it be? Like, what does this one kid have to do? Why does this? Why does Pandora so hell bent on this one kid? What's this? What's? Is it actually one kid? It'd be kind of funny if it was. See that? That I feel like that would actually make it much more interesting. See, well, see, I I feel like that would be much more excusable. But again, but if, but again, if we just kept introducing to the same kid over and over again, and somebody finally just asked by episode like ten or fifteen, where I finally asked the question. What is up with Pandora picking on this one kid or everything happening around this one kid? 
what is what's going on with this? And nobody having a great answer would be even better until like midway through you realize, oh, this is the reincarnation of somebody she doesn't like or something, or the great sage or something. Yeah, see, I would like that. That they introduced like much earlier, so. Because again, I think it could be interesting if you, and even it would be even better is if the kid's not mentioned in the title card at all. It's just a kid, it's just the same kid over and over, and it's not until like mid-season that you actually get introduced in the title in the title card in the intro that like oh he just happens to be what what everything is revolving around on on in, in a very unusual sort of way too um so again i have seen other sentai series if you've seen other sentai series again you mentioned um the pirates Kyokaiger, yeah. Kyokaiger, have you seen any other Sentais before? Um, I've watched Go Buster, which okay. was the immediate follow-up to that, which was spy-themed, which I found to be rather charming, but that's just me. It's, it's That's the one with the where like their morphers are like glasses on their wrists? Sort of. It, it creates glasses for their faces, but yeah. My understanding for that series is that it was very much supposed to be based off of the... American FBI almost, or kind of like the American version of what Power Rangers had become. Was that your impression from the series? Not so much. Um, it was one of the things they did say. They did say it was Morphin time. Yes, no, they definitely did throw in that reference, and in that in that particular instance, yeah, it's a cute, it's a cute little nod. But um, outside of that, it really was just more. Hey, here's a spy themed team. Okay. Because, like, what's it? Their gun was, a, like, was a camera that, like, like, like you would see, like, private eyes with in, like, detective movies like that, but it would turn into a gun. Ah, okay. I'm trying to remember what the little saber, like, dagger sword thing was. I knew it transformed into something else, though. I remember that their mechs were very over-engineered. Uh, maybe a little, but... Is that, or at least that's the impression I got from the mechs. The mechs um, had like either all these different parts that came off, or all these different steps to make it into the giant robo at the end of the day. Um, that I that I don't recall, but um, I don't know. There, there's nothing particularly American about it that like stood out, or like stereotypically American. Okay, then all right. I have watched uh, Samurai Shinkenger. And I really enjoyed that series um, because I enjoy samurai-related stuff at the end of the day. Um, I could not get... I had to eventually get over... I had to get over the goddamn katana. So, in Shikanjir, what they have is they have this... They, they all have... They're all supposed to be samurai. So I have, like, this ninja... They all have this, like, samurai katana at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not quite what it is. It's a. It's in the shape of what's a katana, but it has this like weird pommel bit that spins around. So what you're supposed to do is you put your little, uh, your disc, element disc, your thing. element disc into it. You spin it around, and there's a little mirror that kind of does a kaleidoscope sort of thing where like it looks like it's moving around and everything. It's this gaudy, unlook, unwieldy looking sort of thing at the end of the day, and they all just kind of wear it as though like this isn't weird not at all it's not weird whatsoever okay to be fair 
sort of what you mentioned earlier, the suspension of disbelief. Yeah. At the same time, these are people wearing spandex suits and helmets, all in the same color. But mind you, when they but before they even do that, they have a team that comes by with banners and reveals them in their Japanese, you know, priest attire, pretty much. And then they pull out their phones that turn into their. It again. I think it's very silly that they write their the kanji for their for their helmets, and then that just gets on them, and that's what turns into that. See, I actually don't mind that. I, I, I actually rather dig the uh, the. I'm personally not a fan of any of the phone morphers from any of the other series. Yeah, I, I was that, fine, but I that was, one. Yeah, I find I really do find phone morphers just really, really lazy. Or anything that's got a keypad on it. It's like, you don't need a keypad. Like, it really doesn't. Unless, I mean... I don't mind the keypad. Unless there's a purpose. I don't mind the keypad, because a lot of the wrist morphers kind of have, like, buttons that you need to press. But, um, that, the only reason why I like that that particular phone morpher from Shin from Shinkenger is simply because it turns into a calligraphy pen, and that's how they write mm-hmm. their little elemental sigil things. What I do like about this particular series... Um, about Shinkenger or about Zuu Ranger? Uh, Shinkenger. Um, what I liked about Shinkenger was that um, they pulled kind of a great little... Mid, they kind of pulled a very last-minute sort of change at the very end where they introduced, and again, a bit of a spoiler, but I think they did the same thing in the American version here. Um, they introduced this element where the guy that was the Red Ranger wasn't actually the legitimate... Red Ranger at the end of the day. In fact, what had happened was is that there was actually a female big sister or elder sister that was supposed to be the leader of the entire group, but what happened was is that they worried for her protection, so they hit her off somewhere else and introduced her as the correct Red Ranger at the end of the day. Um, what would have been better for me, what would have made more sense for me, would have it would have come out quite so of left field, was that she was there all the time as like something like a delivery driver or some sort of like um side character that was occasionally giving good advice to the other characters or some sort of uh, like neighbor or something maybe something that made it seem legitimate as though like when she gets there it's like what are you doing here amy it's like oh well i'm actually the true heir no, you're not. You're our neighbor. Because in Shinkenji, she just comes out of nowhere and it's just introduced. It's like, yeah, I'm actually the leader of the clan. Everyone's like, oh, uh, okay, yeah, sure, leader of the clan. Well, what's it here? Let's um, let's, let's circle back. Okay. No, I said just a Zero Ranger. But are there any other are there any other similarities or differences that you noticed between like comparing comparing Zero Ranger to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Well, again, I mean, one of the other aspects here at the end of the day was that um, the Zords, or rather the robots here, the Guardian Beast and Zero Danger, but to us the known as Zords, they're literally gifted to the team by Zordon, as we're in the original, like, oh, they were here and they felt that you needed their presence, so they came out and helped. Um, and it goes back to a comment you made when we were watching it, that they were very much a malevolent sort of additional factor at the end of the day. They're less um, 
robots so much as they're just creatures almost at the end of the day that are protecting you versus just being like, oh, the Tyrannosaurus, that's just a tank, that's just a car on treads that's got a cannon on its back. Well, one thing I've usually noticed from Power Rangers in, in the U.S. is that the the Zords themselves usually end up being like, oh, you're a ranger, you have a Zord. This is, you know, part of your uniform, kind of, almost. Yes. Whereas in Super Sentai, the Zords typically are, not always, but sometimes they're usually their own, like, separate entity that is, that is sentient and is giving the ranger their power to transform. Yes, I could see that. Yeah. And so I kind of get the sense of that from from Zero Rangers, just because they are the the main characters are representative from different tribes. You know, you had the Tyrannus you know, you had the Tyrannus tribe, you had the Mammoth tribe, the Tricera tribe, so on and so forth. Um, another thing you get, and this comes up a lot more commonly in Sentai shows, I think. Um, it, it's on and off with Common Rider in a lot of cases. Um, where the team gets their powers and they just know how to use it. They've, yeah. they've, been, they've been, they've been, they've practiced. They know how they know how to, they, to do their jobs, and that does actually come into fact, fact with Japanese culture. Because in Japanese culture, if you got to that age, you were training to do one particular job. By that point, it's not a common factor in Japanese culture where, by the time you're 25, you haven't already been studying for whatever career you were going to do. And just suddenly change into a new career. So, as an example here, if you were training to be a doctor by the time you got out, by the time you finished with your doctorate here, at, let's say 26, 27, 28 years old, maybe, as an example, let's say you finished med- medical school at that point, um, that you didn't just immediately go into being a doctor at that point. You didn't just, like, you were training to be a doctor, so that's thus you became a doctor. It's not as if you went from training to be a doctor and we're like okay now i'm going to be a sushi chef you know and so in japanese culture it's very common for somebody who would have trained their entire life to be whatever it is they're going to be which is very much a staple of japanese culture i mean like once you get out of high school you train to be either you start going into whatever profession you go into it's kind of a lifelong profession at that point it's very uncommon for people to find themselves at 40 moving on to a new career path so, I mean, there's that, so that I've noticed, but, because um, it does quite explain how the Power Rangers, when you see them, when they first morph, they're like, oh, yeah, this all totally makes sense. And they're just kicking, they're just kicking the butts of the ba- the bad guys at the end of the day versus in the Japanese version, we just, they're just immediately like, oh, yeah, 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 it's, it's time to do the thing that we do. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, I'll get that out. I'm also curious why it's not the first move they do when they figure out that they've got to do something. Like, why is it like, why is it like you got to kind of, um, fap around before you actually use it? Like, would your first notion be that, like, hey, a bad guy. All right, well, let's do this. I imagine outside of story reasons, it's probably something to do with there's only so many suits that they have and... Well, I mean, they kind of explain it a little bit more when we get to... I mean, when we get to Commoner to XA, there's a, a weird element to it that I don't like necessarily, but, like, they try to make it into a, a point of context. Um, but do you want to move on to... Do you, are you... you want to move on to XA here? Um, yeah, I don't really have anything particularly in mind to state from Z-Ranger. I did like it overall. Mm-hmm. Um, You'd continue watching it if you could. 
Yeah, the t- the tone change is like, or maybe not the tone change. The the first two episodes are definitely just kind of like, oh yeah, that's right, this is a show for kids. Second two episodes start to kind of veer away from that a little bit because they're finally giving their main characters a little bit more room to breathe and just sort of do their own thing. But otherwise, I I did I do like the fantastical element of that over Power Rangers, but I do think that Power Rangers altogether has definitely made improvements on the show a la the the more the you know morphing scenes and kind of like what you mentioned earlier there's a little bit more variety in their um er, in their sort of areas if that makes any sense you had they had topographical yeah they they had they had the command center they had that little gym place they had the school whereas you know in zero ranger they only had just the one underground area well mind you in zoo ranger they had that one underground area but then they were also just in the city a lot too which i don't think we could do here in america because unless you had a city in which you could constantly play in that wasn't going to be inundated by crowds of fans and people that you could do that i mean shooting in cities is somewhat expensive as we're in as we're in um toei sense the studio park literally is there is a background lot in a set so you could do city shots there or you could go into your neighboring city here real quickly to get the shots that you needed so it wasn't as much of a thing which is probably why they also moved their productions to New Zealand oh really well Power Rangers well Power Rangers himself is, is the American version moved their productions to New Zealand a, a number of years ago because it was much easier to film in New Zealand where you get a lot of tax breaks there but it's also um a lot easier to um, scout locations. And a lot of the architecture that's kind of in New Zealand as well mirrors Japan's architecture a little bit better in some cases. Oh. Um, so you can have somewhat bigger... And, and that's my understanding of why they moved to New Zealand. Uh, but it's also mostly because you could... Uh, it's also usually very good seasonal weather there in New Zealand. Um, so it makes filming easier, which is why a lot of the time a lot of films are shot in New Zealand as of late, especially if you need large open swaths of fields um, for Lord of the Rings, as an example. I dig it. Yeah, but Japanese stuff still shoot shoot basically in their backyard. Um, Alas, on to X-Aid. So, Kamen Rider X-Aid, probably the most... Again, I chose this one for you because it's about video games and doctors. So the central concept of the of this of the series is that four or five years ago, this one video game company is trying to make these video games that were all had bugs in them. How one game company is making ten games at once doesn't make any sense to me. It really isn't. Um, but these games had bugs in them, which became of viruses that infect other people and turn them into. Uh, bad guys. They're called bugsters. Um, and Kamen Rider x with his neon green and neon pink driver turns into a bright pink Kamen Rider. Um, he is apparently... M.E.U. is apparently the legendary genius gamer M. But he's a doctor, apparently. Um... Then becomes Common Rider X Aid in order to save other people, and again he just takes to it like a fish out of like 
it just takes it like a fish to water at the end of the day. It's just like, yeah, all right, I know exactly what I'm doing here. That's because they're they're part of the shtick was that um, they were compatible. They are compatible in that they were specifically seeking out M, and it just so happens that the main character happens to be the M, which I actually rather kind of well, maybe not dig, but I I admittedly I was thinking like maybe that oh well I guess this guy will just have to do but I, I wasn't expecting oh yeah no that he's actually he's he is the guy um I was really hoping that this guy that he was just like yeah I'm, I'm genius gamer M I have been the entire time we can nudge nudge and he's not actually that but he's just you know a good guy at the end of the day and that maybe he actually does know this genius gamer M and even M would be like no 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 he's better than me you know, I, w- I was hopeful that would be a the tangent eventually, because I don't like the notion of. I always find it very. I, this is the this kind of goes back a little bit to like the Star Wars saga where like everyone thought that Ray had to be something at the end of the day, instead of Ray just being an ordinary person. No, Ray has to be something unique, special. She has to be some sort of involvement with the legacy elements here. She's got to be something special rather than But just, don't you see she was the whole time. Yes, and she didn't need to so much it fits so much better if she was just you know just this one person just happened to be good at this sort of stuff and then as a result of that was was that stuff at the end of the day. But I also would have been nice if it was if she stayed Ray. Just Ray. Yeah. But this is neither here nor there. This no, is that, that's, all that. That's completely, it's completely different. But again, I mean, um, I I had seen the show. I had seen all the henshin elements to it. Um, so I knew what to expect from it here. I read up a little bit on it beforehand. I found this thing very visually overwhelming at times. Yeah. Um, here, for, for me, let me let me get the good stuff out of the way. Okay, yeah, go, go ahead. Go with the good stuff. So, it, it is based off of medicine and video games, like you said, which are two things I don't think anyone really would have put together. Typically, no. Yeah. After kind of having watched it, I still don't think that they should have, but... They're getting the most money out of it, though. Yeah, I guess that's one way to put it. I mean... The- it, it's one of those things where, like, for example, there's a subreddit called... AT, uh, ATBGE, which is short for awful taste, but great in execution. And I think that's kind of what this is. It's not a great combination, but it's the absolute, but the execution is excellent. It is the best possible mix of medicine and video games that one could hope for. I don't know why you would hope for that, but it, it, it is the best of what it is trying to be. I do, I mean, I do kind of appreciate that they are trying to make these two elements into one sort of TV show at the end of the day. Um, I tend to find that the execution is weird because it doesn't follow, it doesn't follow a lot, a couple different logics at the end of the day. It doesn't follow typical gamer logic, which is really, and it doesn't follow typical, you know, doctor logic as well. Well, I, I meant re- more referring to the uh, stylistic slash visual elements. Oh, that that part, yes. I mean, I I tend to find that I like the chibi version of the writer forms, the level one versions. I find those very um, how do I put this here? Uh, very endearing. 
See, I don't like them, but I also kind of get why they're there, because typically when you transform, you just go straight to the regular writer form, and this does kind of provide a break from that if you've seen any other common writer series yes. before. I, I, I like I like the I like the aesthetics of it because I think it's kind of cute and funny at the end of the day that you have this like chibi version of these writers that then turn into these heroic looking variations on their suits. I find it a wholly unnecessary element to the show where you've got to be like, oh, when the Buckster comes out, we have to be in these level one forms because those are the only forms that can really do anything and then you have to get to but then you can only get to level two once you get the actual bad guy to come out and i think it's an element that gets moved to the side later as the series i i i I kind of hope so yeah i mean i'm i'm hoping that it becomes a bit like kiva where kiva's big element was that half of every episode dealt with the writer's father in the past like 18 some odd years ago and the dad has, like, no bearing or tangent on the story at all. So as a result, it makes... Kiva gets, like, only... Instead of, like, having... Sort of, like... So as an example, out of a 24-minute episode, you cut out the... You cut about maybe, what, two and a half, three minutes for the ending and uh, the opening and ending. You left with about 19 minutes. Ten... Let's just say ten minutes of that is just the father flapping about... But then you've got the last 10 minutes is the son, but the last 10 minutes is also when he's a common writer. So you really you get like only like two or three, maybe four minutes with the actual writer person getting to understand and logic Kim at the end of the day. Yeah. As we're, and at the end of the day with the father aspect, like I really hate the father and the father has no, doesn't have any endearing quality to me. So that's why as much as I got through Kiva eventually, like I wasn't a fan of it. And, and, and as much as I love the aesthetic of Kiva, um, that was my biggest problem with it. Now, mind you, when we get to when we talk about Commander X Eight. I hate the. I, I, there's one element I like of the writer, right? Of the the common writer outfits, and that's a consistency in the chest plate and the in some of the aesthetics, where, with the exception of like the head unit, and maybe some bits in the arms. All yeah, they, those, they are pretty consistent throughout. All the common writers look like the same bit, just like a different head piece versus a different arm piece. Like common writer, like uh, common writer knight, the knight guy has a shield on his arm. Um, the gunner guy's got like different sort of uh, bits on his arms. Everyone's kind of got a different kind of colored suit that they're wearing, but like the armor bits look the same and consistent across the way. With the exception of the back, which also just has the chibi head on the back as well. Yeah. Um, I like the notion because, again, it's all based off the same drivers. So, of course, it would make sense that they all kind of look the same up to a certain point. Just slightly different motifs, I guess, is the better way to put that. The That actually just kind of reminded me. The, the suits themselves throw me off quite a bit. Not necessarily the, you know, short chibi versions, but... The, the helmets themselves have the fake hair on them as well as the painted on eyes which definitely trips me out a little bit this isn't a normal thing for um, common riders, common riders they typically have... they have a visor same with Power Rangers well I mean, in mo- in, well, actually for most cases for common riders they have kind of like enlarged bubble yeah, eyes yeah no, the, the, and... it's, it, 
the visor itself sticks out of the helmet as opposed to sitting into the helmet, but still, yeah. Yeah, it, the, it's a visor. Well, I mean, the helmet aspect of the in the common riders typically have these like giant eyes. They're usually like if you're blue, you have red eyes. If you are red, you have blue eyes. So it's a deep contrast, so you can see the eyes uh, more clearly at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but again, this is one of the other weird kind of common rider series in which um, you see the head, you had you see the head sculpt, and you're just like, "Wow, that that's that's a head." At the end of the day, you can clearly see the bits and pieces of the head because you've got the eyes and where hair. the mouth would it be? And Plastic like, hair, like a Lego person. Yeah, there's that too. Um, what do you think of the characters in Common Rider X Aid? Um. Now, mind you, in Common Rider X-Aid, the first four episodes, we moved through very quickly. We were basically introduced to, like, the main... Four different writers, yeah. Four different writers that we basically have to um, learn about, each with their own different motive. You were mentioning this when you were talking, was that there seems to be, like, four or five different factions all going off at once. You have, like, this... What's clearly meant to be the bad guys you have... One common writer that's acting in his own accord, another common writer that's acting of his own accord, two other common writers that are working together in theory, but pretty much on their own accords, and then you just have the bad guys of the show, which are just the bugsters at the end of the day. So there's a lot of things going on. There's yeah, there's a lot of spinning spinning plates, albeit some of them are kind of combining towards the end. But what's it? The one writer, there's one writer specifically that kind of bugs me because. Like you mentioned earlier, they all have their sort of weird tendon. chibi forms that are all just that they transform into first before turning into their main forms. And this dude's main form isn't even as a rider. He transforms into a, a motorcycle. He doesn't even get to like fight crime. He just turns. He is the bike. He is the bike. That is what his form is. Yeah, yeah, I found that very weird at the end of the day as well. My, what is your superpower? I could turn into a bike. I'm a common rider bike like and what was funny about that as well is that you see another you see this you see this bad common rider this black x-aid who's also got a bike well okay eventually transforms wearing a bike what what okay one of the other things too just for context is that each one of these common riders is based off of a genre of games it see that actually is one of the things that does kind of bug me there there is an evil common rider who's Thing is, I guess sports games. So mighty, so mighty action, mighty action X, which is the main X Aid common rider. Yeah, that's supposed to be off of a old school two D platformer. Yeah, a la Mario or Sonic. Um, the common rider Knight, which I know is not actually his term. I forget what his or I forget what his name is. Um, but he is based off of a. It was meant to be based off of a fantasy RPG, a la. Dragon Quest, I would think, is the most common common variant of that. Yeah. Uh, common Rider Snipe is supposed to be based off of a um, first person shooter, and then you've got and then you've got Common Rider Moto Quest or Moto motorcycle one here is based off of a a motorcycle racing game. A, you would think a racing game, it would seem that 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 seems to be his thing. Yeah. Um, so each one of them have a different game theory, which will be interesting when they get to where we get to see other 
commoners. Because one of the interesting notes, you notice how like the little swirling paddle goes around them. They have to. Yeah, no, there there are other characters that were blanked out. I did notice that. So there's other characters that do exist out there as far as commoners go. So it'd be interesting to see them when they eventually pop up. Um, I. What do you think of the drivers? Because the drivers are a big. Oh, drivers are always a big deal in Common Rider. Um. I, I, so I actually don't mind the drivers. I find them weird. I don't mind the drivers. I don't necessarily mind the transformation sequence. I think this is actually one thing that. Um. What's I think this is one thing that I think Common Rider kind of has over Super Sentai is that is the transformation sequence has a little bit more flexibility to it. I recall mentioning this as we were watching it in that you can be at sort of any other scene and do the transformation sequence and the special effects artists will just kind of map it to to the scene. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Power Rangers, you kind of all have to, everyone has to get in line and do their thing and so on. So you end up seeing the same transformation sequence every episode. But with Kamen Rider, there's some slight variability to it. One of the ones you would like then is you would like Kamen Rider Blade, because when Kamen Rider Blade was happening, um, basically it projected a like holographic sort of paddle in front of you that was like a that was like your transformation portal. And once you step through it, the you when you step through it, you had the costume on you at that point. So all you had to do is literally just have like a split take on one of those, where the camera move. The camera would just be moving, and then it would intersect with the plane. You would cut as you finish moving through it, and then start the new out, and just start it again with the same plane. Was that Blade or was that Ryuki? Uh, Blade. Ryuki, they were all standing still, because remember, Ryuki has the mirror element, and they would just stand still. Yeah, and, and the, car, then, and the, and the, the cards com- would kind of come onto the, that. The, the cards right, would come right. onto them, and then the Kamen Rider would just be kind of sitting there, always with the same kind of static pose, if you've ever noticed. They're always kind of like the yeah. arms kind of up, waiting for it. Um, actually, Common Rider Uke actually I did a little more research. Had an American version of that. Of that, um, one of the few, one of the few attempts for Common Rider to come to the states. So I'd, I'd be kind of interested to see if they, if they, what I'd be kind of interested to see is if they tried to do that here in America, but rather than try to just reuse the same Japanese footage, what if they just tried to do the com- just bought the suits and costumes? And just tried to do it here in the states. As much as I, as much as I personally would like that idea, I think that's actually kind of the whole scheme of Power Rangers is that you're yeah. cutting down on you're cutting down a lot of what what would be the labor of having to do it, and yeah. you buy the costumes mostly just so that you buy the costumes in the. Stay up here mostly so that if you need to, you yeah. can... if you need to make any, like, sort of reshoots. You, you need to do any sort of reshoots or you need to do anything, any new special elements to it, you have the op- You have those options. Opportunities, yeah. But I would love to see, you know, a very... I would love to see somebody try to do that or something of that nature here. Again, I mean, we've talked about why they won't, which is unfortunate. Um, but no, again, so Kamen Rider X-Aid, again... Seemed to move along very quickly for the four, for the four episodes that we watched. A lot was happening in those first four episodes for, in very yeah. quick succession as well. It was, but they were it introducing was very a lot busy. of but they were also introducing a lot more characters. They typically don't introduce a second writer quite that quick usually. Well, one thing I sort of disliked <laughs> about X Eight was was the tone. Mm-hmm. So what's one thing I liked about Z Ranger is that you know the second half of the episodes you know you kind of let the right you kind of let the Power Rangers sort of do their, or the Z Rangers sort of do their own thing, and 
at that point, I liked it because it was much more fantasy sort of based. This this uh, X Aid is definitely not fantasy based, not by a long shot. Which I don't. Which I'm not gonna hate it for that. What I am gonna hate it for is it is. I'm not sure it knows what sort of tone it's trying to go for. Some of the scenes it's trying to play very sort of straight laced and sort of yes, we can do it together mm-hmm. kind of thing, and then immediately before after that it goes to slapstick but live action slapstick which is very jarring because in order to achieve that sort of effect they kind of do a lot of sort of fast forwards and like cuts and just oh this thing happens at regular time and then they speed up and now it's regular time again and it, it just visually speaking, it is very jarring. Although one of the things too that I recall mentioning is that at one point I noticed this during the second or third episode, the special the sound effects and music were starting to drown out the actual characters, and so kind of like what how you mentioned, it was very busy. That's not necessarily just in terms of story. I think that's also. Visually speaking, it's very busy. It was, yeah, and visually speaking, it's very busy, and I think even, even audibly, it is very busy. Yeah, and the, and the audio element of it as well. And this is again a Japanese dub, so we're basically they haven't changed the dub on any particular level. But all the video game noises get very distracting as well. I think. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I think having watched a couple episodes now, if you had to put a gun to my head, I probably wouldn't continue X Eight at all. Yeah. Um, no. And not because it not and. The only reason I would actually want to continue it is because I know the story gets better. Does it really? Yeah. I mean, there's other elements that come in, and a lot of people really, really love Hyper Mutekin X8 at the end of the day. His hyper form has dreadlocks. He's gold dreadlocks. I even love it. How the hell does that work? Well, I mean, I like the, the, the proto version of that, which is him kind of in the chibi suit again, but like... It's kind of like the Hulk with like this little itty bitty head at the top. I, I find it kind of I, I find it very endearing look at the end of the day, um, but I do find I, again I know it gets better. I just don't know if I have the patience to sit through it to 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 to, to watch it to get better, and then that's my bigger problem with Hexed at the end of the day. Yeah, I also have a problem with Poppy at the end of the day as well. Oh God, that that which, what is she? Is she? Is she this hyper hyperactive sort of computer bug element, or is she this serious live actor? That, live that, that role honestly could have just been two separate people altogether. They didn't really need to go out of their way to be like, "Look at me! Look at this! I I have two separate forms. Call me this while I'm in this form." And one guy is just straight up no. Well, I mean, even the director guy doesn't like. I don't trust him at all either because he's like. No, you shouldn't know this. And then Poppy's like, but you should tell him. Yes, he should know. And it's like, wait, what's... Yeah, no, that's another thing that bugs me. It's like, I'm not sure what sort of tone is it going for. Is it trying to be serious? Or is it trying to be, like, comedy slapstick? Obviously, this is still for children, but children can still have serious shows. Well, you can still... you You don't necessarily have to call it a serious show, but you don't have to... I mean, you don't have to lie to children at the end of the day. You can, you can, you can do a TV show in which you allow the children to be, you know, to be, to not talk down to children is, be- is a better way of putting it. Yeah. And I know a lot of shows, especially here in America, talk down, don't necessarily talk down to children, but 
don't raise the bar either. Like, we look at, like, I, I can... If we go back to even the, just the early, you know, 90s um, TV shows, like, I'm thinking of... Uh, what should I call it? Uh, like, Biker Mice from Mars... And a lot of these other TV shows, I mean, even Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles didn't raise the bar at all. Uh, I think the only ever TV show that I ever watched that really kind of made children feel as if they weren't really children at all was probably going to be Batman and Batman the Animated Series and certainly Batman Beyond. And I mean, bat- to be fair, Batman the Animated Series and Batman Beyond themselves are both just pretty damn stellar. I would, I'm really, I really want DC to pull the gun on a. I, I want a really old, I want an old Michael Keaton and a young, you know, um, Terry McGinnis. I want the Batman Beyond. That Honestly, I think a Batman Beyond movie would be pretty cool. And again, I'm thinking of it as grizzled, get Michael Keaton into the gym so he looks like, you know, like a brick shit out sort of like old guy. Like, yeah. Because you know, when I see, I see Michael Keaton, I think that that's Batman right there. Well, here let, let's let us we, skip we, back. We skip. We we we. I'm going off on tangents here. Um, again, X Aid, from what I've seen, not my favorite show, but I again, I almost want to keep watching it just because I know it gets better and I know there's this underwhelming plot to it. But part of my other brain here as well is to say it's not following common doctor logic because again, how those children get out of that goddamn hospital awfully goddamn quick, like how. How do you lose control of children like that to let them out like that? Okay, that 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 was one thing that did consistently bug me. Speaking as someone who does work in and out of hospitals right now as an EMT, typically when a patient is admitted, you throw a you throw a, um, a hospital wow, gown. Yes, a gown. Wow, I can't believe I forgot the word for gown. But yeah, no, you throw a gown on them just so that way you can kind of Even tag them as like this is our patient, especially if they're being admitted to a bed in a separate room. Because, like, in the emergency room, yeah, they t- typically just kind of let you keep your stuff because you're not getting an official room. But once you get an official room, yeah, they throw a gown on you and all that other stuff because this is like, okay, we need to monitor you for a couple of days. And part of the reason why they do that is specifically for what these kids are doing in the show. These kids at, not even just one, it is at least two, quite possibly three, I don't recall correctly. They escape. Yeah, they escape the hospital. There's even a dude standing out front, and he just lets them just get like, away. He's, he's just like, oh, well, what's this over here to my left? Why? Is that the swift breeze of the wind blowing against my face? Oh, well, let me turn back this way. Hey, look, there's a child running away. Probably didn't come from my hospital. Well, not even just that, but, like, the kids are still dressed in, like, their regular clothes. So it's obvious that, like, well, no, not even obvious. It, it is... Easy for someone to mistake, oh yeah, that was that might have been someone who was visiting a patient, as opposed to, that was the patient. Or, hey, I'm running away from this guy right here, this might be a stranger danger sort of moment. Yeah, and just My... show, this, this, this is why gowns are thrown on people to specifically prevent this from happening. You're about, you're supposed to be about a doctor who's a common writer. Get the medical stuff straight, man. Well, my other problem here as well is just the the game aspect because I do enjoy studying game theory. At the end of the day, um, not so much maybe game theory, but the production of game. Of game okay, design. yeah, there we go. Um, and there's logic to me that like, oh, we created ten games, and of these ten games, they all had bugs in it. It's like you don't develop ten games at once unless you're like, 
a major studio, a major gaming studio that you know can do that. And then like their launch party for this one game looks like again looks like a very boring launch party. Like like all these people are super excited for this new 2D side scroller. It's like I'm sorry, what now? It'd be one thing if we were like set in like the mid '90s and I could see people really excited for a new 2D side scroller. We're in like. 2016, 2017 when this show came out, like we have better games and they literally reference that as a third person shooter that's of the modern day age. See, now that bit I didn't necessarily mind so much um, but what's it the the main character, I I, I get his whole thing for being a common writer and a doctor, I, I don't think I have an issue with his motivation I think it's just more He's just a little bit too bright and cheerful for my taste. There, there's something slightly off about it that rubs me the wrong way. Okay. So, have the, you the, seen have you seen other common writer series? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of Kabuto. I've okay. seen bits and pieces of Kiva. I've never actually. Now that I think about it, I don't think I've ever actually watched a common writer show consistently. Okay. Now that you mention it. So I've um, watched a, quite a few. Um, my two favorites are going to be Kamen Rider Kabuto, because I love I just love a Kamen Rider that's a dick. At the end, and, and not a private dick at the end of the day, I mean to say. Uh, so Kamen Rider Kabuto, his main gimmick is that he thinks he's sent from God at the end of the day. He's been, you know, like he's a, he's great at everything he does. He's a prick to other people because he's better than everybody else but he consistently backs up that he's better than everybody else very consistently um and then one of the other things i love about him as a common writer is that he's often just kind of um as where other common writers might have like a like an action pose like ready to go grapple like this is my fighting pose he's often just kind of like standing there like batting away shots at him countering stuff like like for him it's like this is all really easy you're not really putting up a challenge for me at all and I love the look of the way the suit actor presented that at the end of the day because it looks at again you watch Kabuto and you think like wow this guy like like this guy really has got his shit together this guy's really good like everything else everything that's going after him is just like an afterthought nothing's really stopping him necessarily so I really love that um, but one of my favorite common writers is actually common writer O's and I love O's because disembodied hand guy Ryuk or Ankh at the end of the day which I love because he's he's meant to be like this bird phoenix dude he's basically a glove that's taken over this other human guy human body that's got this gold hair or turns his hair kind of bright bright blonde and he's a real dick as well Um, but uh, Emiya or, or the common writer at the end of the day is very much a very naive good person at the end of the day doing the best that he can but you see it in his action where he's just kind of like uh what how how do i do this in the beginning at least yeah that that, that is another thing that i definitely can't tell i mean i i I get it i I think the intention is that it's supposed to come across (coughs) as bless you excuse me i i think the intention is that he's supposed to come across as like foolhardy sort of where he's like comato no, no, no. Um, X-Aid. Okay. Where he's just a little bit too eager. But 
he's just a little bit too eager to get into stuff. But the other thing too is that everyone kind of, like, and especially in that first episode, goes on and on and on. But oh, he's a master gamer. This is M. Who? Yeah, we gotta find M. And oh yeah, M would be at the opening of this new video game launch party. It's like, really? This is the guy. This is the guy we all gotta look out for. Yeah, we, we gotta find this mysterious M genius gamer. M. It's like, and, and yet. While he's a common writer, and I get, I get, he's brand new, but he still doesn't have a damn clue as to anything that's going on or whatever. It's just like, wait, so is this, is he smart or is he not? And especially with the slapstick stuff, he kind of keeps falling on his face and whatnot, and other people kind of have to like mess with him, and other people also keep bullying him as well because like they keep calling him an intern, which you know, in in the medical world, if you're if you're an intern doctor, they did say he was just... an attending a physician though. No, they didn't. This they did. Mm-hmm. The nurse makes a point of saying, you know, you're the attending physician right now. You're, you're the intern. No, she said attending physician. Mm-hmm. That's what I saw. That's nur- what I read. The nurse at the beginning called him an intern, but... Um, but if you're an intern, was- wouldn't you have some sort of supervision at the end of the day? You would be. You wouldn't be left alone with patience with if you were just an intern well it's not to say that you wouldn't be left alone it's that if you're an intern if you're an intern doctor you you have someone kind of looking over all of your reports and documentation you're you are still in the learning process it's just that you've completed medical school you are officially working in a hospital now but you are still not not yet on your own yeah and so it's very much implied that this guy is sort of a rookie in various and at least in his medical profession but He's implied to be, you know, a master gamer sort of thing. So you would think that that would kind of carry over to the common writer a bit. But no, he's just, he just kind of comes across as like a doofus in sort of everything he does. And it's like, cool, I definitely get why these kids are running away from you, doctor. Well, I have a, I mean, again, I have, a, it's, you were mentioning a total shift, a total difference a shift here where it's not consistent in their tone. And yeah. I absolutely agree that there's a weird tone shift because it seems as though like, Oh yeah, our way in is that we're doctors, but when we when we go to do the commentary stuff, it's all video game related, and it's not initially well explained why that is in this particular sense. And even the guy that gives away like the drivers at the end of the day, like really, you just gave away like this really powerful common writer thing to what you agree is a disgraced com- dri- guy at the end of the day. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no. So common writer snipe is. A disgraced doctor. It, they even make a point of He's like a when quack they, apparently. Yeah, no. The other characters call him a quack, and then even in his little like introductory little first on-screen appearance, they straight up mention former doctor. And at one point, he even does have an office, but it's like decrepit and like in an abandoned building, it would seem. Yeah. And then the other guy blackmails because he's a coroner. and blackmails to get a common dri- common rider driver and king in trans. Yeah, that's right, and that's the guy that turns into the t- fucking motorcycle. <sighs> yeah, and, and and even then he's like, oh yeah, no, I lied. It wasn't for a friend at all. I just wanted to get. I just wanted to figure this all out. It's like, why did you lie? You didn't have to lie at the beginning at all. So basically, what he does he lies to to get the driver, blackmails to get the driver, which makes you wonder, like, really? Why would you trust a guy who would blackmail you? You could deny all the stuff left, right, and center, and nobody would believe a doctor. Why? How would he get this information at all? Much less a coroner. 
But then, like, he 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 acts like all friendly to X Aid and and everything. And then at the very end, it's like, oh yeah, I don't really care about you at all. I'm just trying to figure this out. I'm just trying to solve this mystery. At the end of the day, it wasn't actually a friend of mine that died or anything because of it. No, I just need to solve this mystery. Oh, that reminds me. One of the other weird things I thought I, I noticed about the coroner is at the end of his at the end of his introductory episode, he kind of looks over to Common Rider X Aid. You know. It just is very interesting. Like, and then we can be friends? And then he's like, yeah, we can be friends. It's like, yeah, I get it. It's the TV show, but it's just like... Way too trusting. Not necessarily way too... I mean, yes, way too trusting, but I mean... Will you be my friend? Yes, I will be your friend. Aha! Yay, we are friends now. It's also interesting to note here as well is that... Apparently, day, day zero, zero day, which is the start of all this stuff... Happened five years ago, but we're just ne- but apparently we're just now seeing now common writers. Yeah, like like if, if how does how does that ha- I I understand maybe it being somewhat dormant for a couple years of some sort here, but then how would you know to create these games here at the end of the day? Much less the the technology if you didn't know this was already an issue. Like you don't you don't create the technology ahead of time to solve an issue that you don't know exists. You create technology to solve a problem that you know exists. I mean, it'd be in, in, in the medical field, it'd be like creating an antidote for a virus that we don't know, that doesn't exist just yet, but will in the future. You know, like, that's a lot of forethought there. Oh, what's it? One of the things, okay. Entirely off topic. One of, one of well, not entirely off topic, but uh, one other thing that did kind of bug me about not even necessarily this Con Rider, but I guess just the Con Rider series in general, because it because it, it is a recurring trope, is that frequently you will have a bad guy Common Rider who oh, yes. is quite literally just the main character, the main character Common Rider, except black. Yeah, I I I find that to be kind of lazy. It's not all the time. It, it, it pretty it, frequently. No, it it's a trope that comes up. Now, again, there is usually... Comrade is one of those shows because, again, it's not a team, so everyone's kind of acting of their own accord. Yeah. They rarely have any... Even a two-man team is not common. So, at the end of the day, it is not uncommon for comrades to each have their own goals and objectives in, in a story. But it's not... I mean, it's not entirely that often that we have common writers where you have the negative versions of them as bad guys. Again, off my head, I can think of Ryuk has one. Um, Kabuto is the next one I can think of. Um, if you really want to count Kiva's um, evil emperor form that kind of mem- mirrors the emperor form of Kiva at the end of the day. Um, if you count W, if you count Common Rider double at the end of the day, where like even though it's just like one one bit one side versus not both sides, maybe, and then I have a hard time thinking of other examples after that. Well, I, there's Gaim with orange and then blood orange. Yeah, but but an orange and blood oranges are different things. They don't even look the same. No, but my point being that there's frequently a bad guy common writer who looks almost exactly like the main character, except I'm just the evil version of you. I I am, I am your reflection. We are not so different, you and I. Ha 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 ha. Well, I mean, there was a bad guy Zelda. 
bad guy Mario, Wario. Uh, it, it may, uh, I'd have to look into it more, but it, it could say that maybe it's a common theme of tackling your inner darkness to get well, to no, your no, best. I, I get, I get the theme itself. I, I just, I, I find it particularly overused in Common Rider specifically. Well, I think in Common Rider you could do it. I don't know if you could do it in Sentai necessarily. There have been a couple attempts in Sentai teams where it, it, it's not even necessarily that there's a bad guy team overall. It's just more that, like, oh, one particular enemy has made, like, copies, but they're evil copies. There is one series that does it. Common Rider, or excuse me, Super Sentai Lupin versus Pata Rangers. Uh, yeah, but that, that's more two antagonizing teams overall. Not necessarily one team is the evil reflection of it the other. True, but I do. But that's a series I do actually kind of want to look into because I think it would be interesting. Like, yeah. one team is pink, red, and green, which are the which are supposed to be the police, and the other one are the uh, Lupin Rangers, which are red, blue, and yellow. And their uniforms, if you look at it, are very much mirrors as well. Like, the Lupin Rangers are in black um, and have like a cape on them, but the Pata Rangers have like where it would be white, where it would be, where it would be black is actually white, and their uniforms are very much similar, with the exception of the Pata Rangers have like more police kind of garb on them, like they have a more utility belt or a police belt sort of thing, and they have like the like a sheriff star on their shoulders, sort of on their breast and stuff. Uh, that's the series I kind of want to see because it does look kind of more interesting. Yeah, so. Um, so I've been thinking we should do our own podcast where we talk about one particular series. We could be like a Super Sentai show or a Common Writer um, season, maybe. Um, and we just do episodes where we talk about what happened in it and what we think happened. Because I think we could also, at one point here, if we watch enough of it, we could probably do a Mystery Science Theater version of it as well. I definitely would not be opposed to that. I think with the Mystery Science Theater one, though, it's like we have to have watched it once before, just so that way when we get to it, we can literally make jokes about it. Because then we'll Maybe. know what's coming up. Maybe. If, if anything, I would actually I would actually love to sort of do it blind. I, okay. For example, that, one of my favorite things I've ever seen blind was the B-movie. Simply because, A, it's the B-movie. It's so preposterously strange. But, B... I I recall watching it with some of my D&D friends for the first time ever, and at one point there's... Wait, have you seen the B-movie? Yes. Yes. No, at, at one point... Seinfeld as a B. Yeah. No, th at one point there's the scene where Seinfeld's B character is daydreaming about being with this human girl, and you know they're at a picnic and everything, and then she makes a heart with the airplane, and then she immediately goes into a mountain. And we had to stop... We had to stop the movie for at least like 10 minutes just because I was dying so hard laughing because I could not believe what I, the ridiculousness that I had just seen. I, I was so very confused and perplexed as to why was any of that happening? Why, why did that happen? Someone made the decision to put consciously put that in the movie and it's hilarious and I love it, but just... What what even is going on? Okay, well, I have a per I have the perfect movie if we decide to do that. Um, that is equally preposterous and dumb, and um, but I think what we can do that as is if we do it, we record it, and we'll have we can't have the full episode, and we can't 
she had the audio for it. We can't have the audio for the movie or the visuals for it because that will give away, that will be a copyright strike on YouTube for that. Fair point. But what we can do is we can't provide the audio and then somebody can sync it up with the movie at the same time. So there's that option at the end of the day. There is that. That's very true. So, um, but that's an idea for later. And you'll have to tell us if you have any ideas for that or if you think there's a great Super Sentai or Kamen Rider series you'd like us to talk about or maybe to look into in the future, we would definitely recommend the one of those. Um, but on behalf of myself, myself and my little brother, we thank you so much for listening to us here this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And so you can catch the show. We don't have so much show notes this time, but with so much as we had comments on it, but we'll have uh, some notes on our website at nerdtutorialpodcast.com as well as the original episode. Um, we continue discussion on, on our Facebook page at nerd at www.facebook.com forward slash nerd tutorial podcast all is one word um, and then on twitter I'm available at nerd underscore tutorial so if you have any comments questions critiques or ideas for future topics we most definitely love them especially if you have a great idea for a new super sentai or commentary series that we should watch here and maybe do a whole new podcast on uh, but on behalf of myself and my little brother we thank you so much for following us here today and we'll see you guys again next time toodles